It's great to be here. We've really enjoyed the week. Uh, it's been nice to see some of you guys over and over again and, and really get to know you. Um, I just wanted to share a little bit about my, about my heart. Um, God has just really blessed us. We love what we do. We love where we're at. And, um, you know, a lot of times I teach children's church and Sunday school and stuff like that uh, over in Zambia. And uh, there's these two little girls that, that just really stole my heart. And, and uh, I would see them coming to church all the time. And they stuck out because, one, they were identical twins. <laughs> So they really look, you know, they just, you know, they just stick out. And then uh, they were always so dirty when they came to church. You know, they, they would be wearing these little dresses, but they probably had been wearing them all week. You know, they, they weren't real clean. Um, they had those bellies that just stick out because they haven't had enough food to eat. And, um, man, my heart would just hurt for them. You know, I would see them, and, and they would come, you know, just about every week they were coming. And I talked to our student pastor, and I said, well, I really want to do something. I feel God's really just laying them on my heart, and I, I want to do something to help them. Maybe we could give them a, a scholarship to come to our school. You know, we could be feeding them every day and, and just do something for these, for these girls. And so uh, he went with me one day after, uh, after church, and we followed them home. You know, we, like, we asked them to show them where they live. We want to talk to their parents. And so, you know, kids don't walk down this road and that road, and, you know, they don't do that. They walk, like, through people's yards, over the bush, you know, that kind of thing. So it was an interesting, they live fairly close, but we were scared the dogs were going to get mad at us that <laughs> we were cutting through their yards. But uh, we got to their house, and it was a little bitty house. I mean, it, it, it was small. And there was, um, they were living there. They had more kids. We saw lots more kids. And there was no parents that day, but we eventually found out there were actually two families living, they were related, and they were living in this, such a small place. And I don't know how they all fit on laying down anywhere, because there was just such a small area. And these kids, we're looking around, these kids, and I started noticing some of them, yeah, they'd been to church a few times. They weren't coming as regular as the girls, but they had been coming to church too. And they were looking for food. I mean, that's what they were doing. They were climbing this tree, climbing that tree, finding unripe fruits. Uh, I don't think they had breakfast that morning, and I don't think they were going to have lunch. Hopefully, Mom was going to come home by supper and cook them something. And they, you know, they were finding their own food, and they were fighting and like kids do, and just, it was a mess. So we came back uh, another time. We found the parents, and we told them that we really wanted to help the girls and to give them a scholarship to come to our school. And she was really happy about that. The mother was excited. She started pulling all these other kids over, you know, like, what about this one? What about this kid? What about this kid, you know? And uh, she had a lot of children. And uh, we, we, we decided, well, there's really not much we could do for the older ones. They were already in a kind of a school program. But these two girls, and then they had, I think, three younger ones, even than the girls. And... Um, the youngest was two and then four and then I think another three-year-old. And we were like, man, what are we going to do? You know, we don't have the money. And I'm a budget person. I don't know how many of you do pencil and paper and really figure out the numbers. But I'm pretty good with the numbers. And I know what we have money for and what we don't and how much it costs us to feed the kids every, you know, month. And, and I'm like, we just don't have that money. We, I don't know what we're going to do. And, you know, the school um, is really amazing because it's a self-supporting school. The the, the people in the community, they, they pay tuition fees, and that allows them to, to come to school. And then we are able to give the poor children scholarships, about 20 of them, and feed them and do all of that. And, you know, it's good because, you know, not just the poor kids need to know about Jesus either, you know, the, and it's getting those kids in every day we're getting to teach them about God's Word. So it's an amazing opportunity we have. But we got these girls in there. 
we started bathing them every morning because they, they, they weren't they have any water at home so we they come early we give them baths give them their clothes they would get so happy they get these big smiles on they were going to school you know and they were because they hadn't been in school and they were found out later they were nine years old we had placed them in our four-year-old program because they were so behind they were so malnourished that they didn't look nine we didn't realize that till sometime later how old they were and but they started getting stronger they started getting more confident and um, one day somebody came to my door and they're like, Barb, you gotta come to school. You gotta come right now. I was like, what's happened? Like, no, one of the girls has collapsed. One of the students has collapsed. So I ran over to school and sure enough, it was one of the twins and she was just laying on the floor and I got down with her and she was not really coherent. Her eyes were open, but she wasn't responding or trying to get her to drink something. She wouldn't. So we sent somebody to get her mother because we can't take her to the hospital without her mom. So they ran to get her mom. And when they went home, they found the other twin there as well, sick. So they brought both of them. We got them to the hospital. The doctor was not happy that they had not been brought in sooner. They were obviously very sick. They, they were tested and they had malaria. And uh, they got them put on some, I think, IVs and got them some medicine and stuff like that. And we went, Jim and I went and bought them food and got them some things together because they don't feed them in the hospital. They don't have that kind of, you know, every, the families have to provide the food when they're there. So we went and got them food so they'd have it and we visited with them. And on the way home, you know, I was just, this has been about six months they had been coming to our school at this time. And they, they were still weak. The doctor was still unhappy. When he weighed them and saw how much they were weighing and for their age and all of that, he was not happy. But I could tell they had gotten a lot stronger you know they had changed a lot they didn't have those pot bellies anymore you know they were getting stronger and I was talking to Jim I was like you know what if we had just ignored what God was laying on my heart if I had just said you know what God we don't have the money we don't have it in the budget we can't we can't help these kids there's we just can't do anymore if I just if we just said no I have no doubt that the, those girls probably would have died at least one of them and it just it just hit me. You know, God calls on us for a reason. He puts things in our, in our lives for a purpose. And he, we need to act on that. We need to trust that he knows what he's doing. And, you know, we took on all three of those other little kids they brought. And God, I don't know where the money came from because it was not in the budget. But they've been provided for. They've been fed. They've been clothed. And I just want to thank you guys because your churches have like this have been praying for us, have been supporting our ministry, allow us to do the things that we do. And it's such a privilege to be out there. Um, I remember at the time I had called my dad on the phone and I had asked him, I said, Dad, how do you decide who gets to eat? It was hard. It's hard making decisions like that. So pray for us and just thank you guys so much for allowing us to do what we do. How are we doing? I don't know if I'm going to have a good message or not. It's just the beginning, so we'll see how it turns out. The pastor was like, oh, he's going to give a great message. I don't have any idea how it's going to turn out. Um, but today our message title is Burning for You. And I remember I was a senior in high school, and you would think that seniors are a little bit smarter, but we're not so bright. And... and um, some reason I had the idea of pouring 
gasoline down the sink and then being curious enough to figure out what happens when you drop a match down there. <laughs> a big ball of flame flew up, burnt my nose hairs, and my I had like three hairs on my lip at the time. I didn't actually grow facial hair until I was like a already married. <laughs> but burned up my face, you know, it's just uh, fire. Fire is a unique thing, and, and when you think of fire, uh, you think of uh, often the, the biggest story. I mean, you always think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I, I never, before making this message, I never prepared a message about missions from the book of Daniel. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as uh, uh, Bob the Tomato says, Radshach and Benny. Okay, any, any VeggieTale fans here? Okay, there we go. Um, so our first thought today, as being Christians, in order for us to get the gospel around the world, we have to first of all make our hearts ready to burn. Uh, if you take wet wood, are you going to be able to light wet wood on fire? I've been, we've been, we watched... Like my family, we had some of the seasons of Survivor downloaded, so we've been watching through those. And, you know, it'll be in the middle of the rain, and they're sitting there trying to light a fire. <laughs> no matter how hard they try, that fire's not going to light because it's wet. And even if you pour uh, paraffin or lighter fluid on top of the fire, is it going to light? No, it'll burn for a little bit, but as soon as that chemical is gone, what's going to happen? No more fire. And if we're not careful... Uh, we can kind of be like the paraffin this week. Uh, we get excited about missions. We hear what missions is doing. We hear about what other missionaries are doing. We get excited about it. Maybe even some of us make some commitments to God, and we say, hey, you know, I'm excited about, you know, what we're doing for missions. Let's get involved, and, and we can become like that paraffin. We can kind of just burn off. You see, missions should not be something that, you know, just gets us excited for just a short period of time, and then the fire dies out. And that's what happens in a lot of believers' lives. They get excited about something, but after a few weeks, it just kind of fades away. What we're trying to do is, is, is either build a foundation or keep that foundation going, where it's just strong, where it's something that becomes ingrained in your life. And, and that's what mission should be. It should be part of our lives. And in order for us to do that, we have to make our hearts ready to burn. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to draw a line in the sand. Now, when I look at the, the Hebrew children, uh, the Hebrew Shadrach, Meshach, they weren't children, they were young men. We always have little pictures of them as kids, but, you know, they're young men. They, they had made a decision, okay? Uh, in uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, we see this decision. It says, uh, but Daniel purposed in his heart uh, that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. At that time, they said that they had all these Hebrew children. And they said, hey, you know, you guys, you're going to eat a certain portion of the king's food. We're going to train you. We're going to raise you up uh, to be leaders. Okay? And they found all the smart young men. And so they had Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were with them. And it says, and so that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the, prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, you see this kind of a, a stand that immediately Daniel takes. And like I said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were with them. And we know what the consequence was for this, right? If they disobeyed the king, what was going to happen? They'd die. 
And, and this kind of puts the, uh, a, when we talk about a line in the sand, we have to make a decision of things that are right and things that are wrong. Now, we're not talking about preference, are we? Okay? I'm not going to die for what color the carpet is. You know, if somebody pulls my, put a gun in his head and says, I want the carpet to be red, I'm going to say, go for it, brother. You know, you can have the carpet red as you want it to be. I don't care about the carpet. You know, I, uh, you know, some people, uh, you, got, you got preferences in music, you got preferences in, in clothing and all those different things. That's fine. Those are preferences. I'm not going to die if you don't wear a tie. You know, I'm not going to die if, you know, you don't like a certain type of music, you know. Uh, if you play Southern Gospel and that's what you like and you hold the gun to my head and said, you're going to listen to Southern Gospel, I'd say, pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, I really don't like Southern Gospel music. <laughs> I don't know. If you want to ask me why, I mean, if you like Southern Gospel, I'll tell you why. It's just, it's a different thing. But I've never liked Southern Gospel music, okay? Uh, I was in one church, and they were doing bluegrass. That was pretty fun. And one of the churches we were in, it was down here in Florida. They were doing bluegrass music. That was pretty fun. But, uh, you know, preferences is, is not something that's going to make us, you know, uh, give our lives for Christ. But there are certain truths that we live by as Christians that we don't need to back away from. And, you know, we make stands today. You see our way our country's going and the different things. We make stands, and we say, this is the way the Bible teaches, and this is what I'm going to believe. You know, if it, if it, if it affects, you know, uh, my freedom, if it affects uh, uh, what's going to happen in my life, it affects uh, what people will say about me and do about me, I'm not going to care because this is what God has called me to do. I'm going to draw my line in the sand, and I'm going to do the right thing. And that's, that's what we need to do as Christians. And I think even today, uh, we're getting to a point that, you know, maybe a little persecution, more persecution, more than verbal is going to be coming to us. And I think that actually is going to strengthen the church. You know, just like it, it's kind of a scary thought, but it did, in the, it did that in the uh, early church with the uh, uh, church in Jerusalem. When all that persecution came, what happened? It strengthened the church. More people got saved. Uh, you look at some of the places like in China and the Middle East where, where people die for their faith. And those churches are strong because they understand that to come here, that means you have to be willing to die. We didn't have to worry about that today because of the freedom that we have. Um, but we, we had to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, these things are right and things are wrong. Now, some of us today, okay, some of the things today, some of us today, we just need to dry out. Okay, we need to make our wood ready to burn uh, because we're wet. And, uh, you know, nobody of us are perfect. I, 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 you can ask my wife, you know, uh, how many had an argument with your wife today on the way to church? Be honest. Come on now, be honest. Who, 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 who had some, whose wife was like, you know, and you got in an argument with her? Come on now, be brave. Hey, we know it happens, okay? I mean, you go to, you go to church, and, and, and uh, you, you're in the car. You're like, da, 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 da. you get out of the church. Hi, how are you today? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great. You know, and you're still getting pinched in the back, you know, because you know you said something that you shouldn't have said. And, you know, today, I did not do anything today. I was good. There was no fight on the way to church. It was awesome. But last week, I had a fight. So I had to tell the church, you know, I had a fight before I came up here and preach, you know. But uh, 
we understand that we make mistakes. We do stupid things. We are a stupid people. I mean, that's why the Bible says that we are like lambs, because we do stupid things. And that's truth. Um, uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, the uh, family, the husband and wife that went to the, uh, the counselor. And they went to the counselor, and, the, and he, he says, counselor, you know, she goes, my wife, she's historical. And the counselor said, you mean she's hysterical? No, she's historical. She remembers every wrong thing I've ever done. And, and I've had, I understand what that's like. You know, I've been married now for a while to Barbie, and I'll do something, and she goes, you always do that. And I was like, when's the last time I did that? And she says something like, you know, 15 years ago, and I'm like, are you really kidding me? That was 15 years ago when we were first married, and I always do that, you know. Uh, you know, but they remember everything. And... Um, uh, but the thing is, it's, it's, okay, this is not a bashing. This is not a marriage thing today. This is just, uh, it just happens that way that it's part of our message. Uh, but there are, we make mistakes. We fail God. We stumble. One of my favorite scriptures is the righteous man falls down seven times and gets back up again because, you know, we do do stupid things. And, but in order for us to serve God and to live our lives as a light that shines in the darkness, we need to be individuals that will own up for our sin and say, hey, I screwed up. Hey, I made a mistake. Hey, I, I, just, I sinned against God and because if we don't do that, we can never be used for the tools that God wants us to be. And, and uh, I mean, we, we've blown it, just be honest. And it doesn't matter if you've been in church all your life and everybody thinks that you're just a super righteous self guy, you know, you're awesome, you know, you know yourself. You know, you've looked in the mirror. You know what God sees. And we need to make ourselves ready and prepared to be used by God. Because he wants to use us in awesome and mighty ways. But sin is the hindrance that keeps us from serving God the way that he wants us to. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily be said. It's a sin that drags you down, that holds you down. The Bible tells us we are to put that aside because they are chains that bind us from doing what God wants us to do. We want to reach our world with the gospel, don't we? Right? Are you a believer today? If, you're, if you know Christ today, do you want to reach the world with the gospel? Do you want the people that had no idea who Jesus is uh, don't have a relationship with him. Do you want them to come to a relationship with Christ? We want that, don't we? You want to be part of that? I want to be a part of that. And if for us to be believers, that, that to be a part of that as believers, we have to make our hearts right and make ourselves ready to burn for Christ. Because I want to burn bright for Christ, don't you? I don't want to have to be, live a life that, that is full of regrets because I should have done something or I didn't do something or I, I did this instead of what I know I should have done. We, we have all the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, don't we? That's not how it should be. And today, you, could, you, you may have blown it your entire life. You know, Maybe you've been selfish, maybe done everything you wanted to do, and you're coming to the realization that you know this is not the way I should have been living. And maybe you're thinking in your head, it's just too late. No, it's not. This is day one. This is day one right here where you can live your life the way that God wants you to live it by following Christ and giving up the sins that hold you back and following after him and doing the things that he wants you to do so you can burn for him. And, um, you know, uh, 
and how it has to do, I mean, I talked about it a little bit on Wednesday, uh, you know, just having that loving desire, you know, where, where Jesus is not number one, he's, he's, he's everything. He encompasses every part of your life. And, and, you know, the Bible teaches us that, that if you love me, what? You'll keep my commandments. That's what Jesus tells us. If you love me, keep my commandments. And, and if we were going to really keep the commandment of giving the gospel around the world, we're proving our love to him, but we have to make ourselves ready to burn. And the second thing, that if you're going to burn, sometimes you're going to have to endure some opposition and trials. When you serve God, there are going to be people sometimes that stand against you. Our story here with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know what happens to them, don't they? They stand up. There's all these people there. They're bowing down to this golden statue of the king. And they're the only ones that said, I'm not going to bow down. Now, what's so crazy always for me is they were not the only Hebrews there. All their friends were there. Their family was there. People that were around them saying, hey, kneel down. Kneel down to that. Kneel down. You're going to get us in trouble. Even the other Hebrews were bowing down to the statue. They were standing against everybody because they knew the right thing to do. And sometimes when you choose to serve God and follow him with all your heart, you're going to endure those opposition and trials. And what you need, because you know it's going to happen, you need to have a patient endurance. That's the ability to keep going and doing what God's commanded you, even though things are hard. It's kind of like, you know, you know, there's a wall in front of you, and I got a head like a rock. I'm very fortunate for that. I, can, I mean, I'll just keep going. If I know God wants me to do something, I'm going to keep going after it, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, because I know that's what God has called me to do. And there, there is opposition. There are trials. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a devil worshiper. I, I, I eat small children, if you didn't know that. I mean, that's what they say about me sometimes is Zambia. I eat small children. I'm going to come into the rooms at night and eat their kids. Uh, they're very delicious. You know, no, <laughs> but they say things like that, you know, and, and I mean, and that's just like the outward stuff that we say, oh, that, that stuff never happens. And, and uh, if you type our names on, on, on uh, Google, the first thing you pop up is that our, our face pictures as we are colonial suppressing the people because the mayor of the town that we lived in became friends with somebody that didn't like us and so they came and they tried to bash us and, and try to slander us in front and it was on national news and the whole town was against us and it was it was pretty pretty bad uh, but we had some bl a blessing the people in our church in our school they stood up for us and said these people are not like that uh, and they never recanted of anything but the mayor was put in his place he uh, it was about the school and uh, and so Barbie shows up at his office, and he looks at Barbie, and he's like, oh, you know, and he walks up. But there were some people that support us, and he knows people in the town. And so he's all shaking their hands, being kind to them. And he says, oh, we're with her. And that changes attitude completely, you know, because he knew that these people, most prominent people in the society were helping us. And so because of that and their support, um, he's like, oh, no, there's no problems here at all. Absolutely no problems. But it's still on the news. <laughs> but... Uh, that it happens when you stand for Christ, people go against you. Um, I, it reminds me of when I was a youth. I was, uh, well, I didn't start off on the track team. I saw some guys running uh, from my football from football team, 
And so I got out there running. They were doing high knees and all that stuff. And the next thing I knew, I was on the track team. Um, and so uh, our first meet, the coach was like, well, who's going to run the 3,200 meters? And everybody's like, Jim could do it. He's got a lot of energy. I didn't know how long. For, I was like, coach, how long was 3,200 meters? Eight laps. He's like, okay, I guess I can do eight laps. So I show up there. We're at the track, you know, and we're getting ready for my race. And, you know, in the long-distance race, they have all the guys all together. You know, you got about 15, 20 guys there. And I'm, I'm with them, and they're all telling me their times, you know. And I'm like, I had no idea how fast I can run this. And they're telling their times and everything. It was a hot day. It was one of the hotter days. And, and on the track, it's usually about 10 degrees hotter. And uh, these guys, we, they fire the gun. We take off running. And, you know, the first couple laps, you know, I'm flying. I'm feeling good. You know, it's a little hot outside, but I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm actually right up front with everybody else. And then I start to see something. I start to see all those guys that were bragging about their times. They start falling off to the side. And I start getting a little scared, you know. I never run this race before, and I start freaking out a little bit. I'm running, and I start saying, I could do all things through Christ that gives me strength. <laughs> you know, as I'm running, as I'm running around the track, and, and uh, at the end, I got, uh, I think five of us finished, and I got number four, but there was like 20 guys that started with us. And, and, and it just kind of says that, you know, when things are hard and opposition comes, you got to continue going. you got to finish the race that God set before us. And God's got a purpose, and he's got a plan for each one of us, and he wants us to burn brightly for him. But sometimes there's going to be opposition. Uh, when I was uh, 16, I, that's when I surrendered my life to preach. It was the last day of summer camp, and when I got home, I, I, was, I was so excited. I ran and told my dad, I was like, Dad, I surrendered to preach. And my dad's like, you know, you moron. The church has brainwashed you. You know, you'll never make any money doing that. You know, you're not going to, I mean, we didn't grow up with a lot of stuff. And so, you know, it, we didn't have much. And so he expected me to make money, you know. And that's why you're going to school. You're going to make money. And I like, can't believe you're doing this. And, and uh, my dad went to the church I went to. <laughs> so it was bad. My dad was, you know, was a professing believer going to church. And, you know, it's just like they brainwashed you. You can't be doing those things. And it was hard hearing that. But so for the first several years, you know, that uh, I had surrendered to preach. Uh, it, it was always a fight with my dad. I had to fight to say, this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to do it. And he, I mean, he opposed me all the way up to, to about my sophomore year in college. And then he's like, well, starting to get used to the idea. And then he was like, well, it's okay if you preach. And then he found out, you know, I, I wanted to be a missionary and I was thinking about going to Africa. And he was like, no, now you can preach. It's okay. There's a church right here, you know, right where I live. Uh, you could preach there. That'd be great. You could just, you know, pastor or retire. You come up and you could preach there. It'd be awesome. And uh, you could do that. You don't need to go to Africa to tell the people about Jesus. You can do it right here. People need Jesus right here. And, you know, he's trying to reason with me, you know, and eventually, you know, he's, he's gotten used to the idea of us being there. But it was hard uh, because it's hard when loved ones kind of keep you back and say, hey, you know, this is not what God wants you to do. I'm pretty sure of that. When you feel in your heart, this is something that the Lord wants you to do. And sometimes you'll even face opposition from family because you're choosing to serve God. And you, can, you should continue burning brightly, even if the people around you are saying don't. If God has called you to do something, you do it. It doesn't matter what other people think. You're not here to pre please other people. People don't like you anyways. We know that. You know, I mean, if you're trying to do all this thing so people will like you, they don't, they don't like you. It's okay. It just, you're... 
you're not trying to please them. You're trying to please God. That's who we try to please. And the last thing is what do we do that when we're in the fire? I think that's fifth one. I don't think it's there. Um, when we're in the fire, what do we do? And when things are going hard, because like I said, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face people that uh, don't like what you're doing. Uh, one of the things I, I liked recently was uh, um, on TNT, at the halftime show, they had uh, uh, Monty Williams' eulogy to his wife. And they, uh, it was real impressive. He's a, he's a basketball coach. And it was real impressive on how he was able to stand up in front of all the people and he was quoting scripture. He was sharing the gospel. And it flashed back, you know, on Charles Barkley and all those guys there. And they were dumbfounded. They were like, how can a man that's just gone through something so horrible, losing his wife, how can he stand up and, 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 and preach and teach like that and talk like that? How can he be that kind of a person? It's because Christ was in him. And when the hard times come, we can shine brightly for Jesus, you know? And it's awesome to see that happen when opposition comes at you. And, and, and it's not easy. I don't like getting hurt. Does anyone like being hurt? No, we don't like the pain. You know, people will ask, you know, why, why we uh, named our son Elijah? Because we have an Abby, an Ashley, and an Andrew. If you didn't know, uh, my wife, she lost two babies during her fifth month and her fourth month uh, while we're in Zambia. And we just, it was a real hard time for our family. And uh, we buried them in the backyard right there by a tree. And uh, there was nobody around us except for us. And so what could we do except for cry out to God? And it was hard. You know, and there have been times, you know, that I wanted to quit and say, you know, this is just too difficult. But we keep going. Because we know God has called us. And the great thing, I, 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 we named him Elijah Chabo Waters. And Elijah, you know, is, is one of my favorite Bible characters. Elijah was a powerful prophet of God that proclaimed God's truth. And there were times that, yeah, he was afraid a bit. But he stood against kings. He stood against uh, false gods and false teachings. And he stood for the Lord, and he proclaimed the truth of God boldly. And we named him Chabo, and Chabo means, is a bimba word, which means the word of God. So you have a powerful proclaimer of the word of God. And in, Z in Zambia and a lot of African countries, the name of a person means something. You don't just name them Bob because you like the name of sound. You, you name them because it means something. And so, Lord willing, one day he'll fulfill his name. And he'll stand up and he'll proclaim boldly the word of God. But it's hard sometimes. It's hard when things are falling down on you, when the, when the walls are collapsing, and you're crying out, and it doesn't seem to be anyone else around, and you just want to quit, and you want to stop. And maybe you're, you're in that position today. Things are just going around your life. It, it's, it's circling around. It's just hurting. You're in the fire right now, and you're pleading with God to let you out. Maybe today, you know, uh, the Lord, he's, he's worked on your heart. 
you know, maybe, maybe you've been a little bit wet. You know, you haven't been burning brightly for Jesus like you know you should. You've hindered yourself. You've blown it. And it's okay. Everyone blows it. But you need to make it right with God so that he can use you again. And maybe you've never trusted in Christ. It doesn't matter what age you are. Christianity is not about a religion. Christianity is not about uh, your church attendance. Christianity is not about your giving. Christianity is not about the rules and regulations. It's not about the Ten Commandments. Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus did not die to bring religion to this world. Jesus died so he can bring you a relationship and give you hope. And I remember in Bible college, we had a guy. He was, his name was also Jim, but he was, he was a little bit older. And uh, he was the treasurer of the church. And uh, our pastor, he was preaching. And Jim, he walks forward, you know, at the invitation. He's 60-something years old. He had been a member of the church for 20-something years. And said, never trusted Christ. Treasurer of the church. Finally humbled himself to come to Christ. It's not your age. You could have been in church your entire life. But if you don't know Jesus, you will spend an eternity without God. And the Lord did not die for, for that reason, so that you could, not, you could hear the truth and not receive it. The same thing that we do across the world is the same thing we do right here in this church. And that's to get the gospel. And if you don't know Christ today, I pray that you will trust him as your Lord and Savior. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. I love doing what we do. And I want to continue burning for Christ. And I hope that you do too.